Hello and welcome to the sixth episode of the fourth season of the Plebs on Footy podcast. I am your host, Rory O'Kane, and as always, I'm joined by Scott Fotheringham. Uh, hello, Banjo. What a happy, what a happy week. It's the well, first time all year we've been happy to be here. I mean, I'm... Very ex- exciting. I'm obviously extra happy after a fantastic fantasy performance against you. It's raining, Kent. Smashed Hall and Bugs. See, what you don't realise, I'm... Just built of Teflon at the moment. Nothing can bring me down. North Melbourne won. You were we're back. I, ca- I can't see us not winning the Premiership. <laughs> you, you were that happy, were you? Is that, well, what level I was of out, I was out drinking, and um, so I, I wasn't watching the game live. It was much to my shame. Uh, but Did we, you not watch any of it? No, not live, no. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. You've, you've watched the replay. Fair. I would, yeah. I would have done the same. I'm not going to call you out on that. <laughs> and uh, so we started coming back, and I was with Liam. I let... Before we grow any further, actually, for the first time in like a year, two years, we've got a producer <laughs> sitting in and they're actually going to do something for once. This isn't important. Why are we talking about this? No one cares about he's that. He's relevant to the story. <laughs> so I needed to <laughs> say right, he's right. there. All so right. yeah, so Liam and I just kept obsessively checking the score. Uh, it wasn't looking good early as most people would know. And then we crept back in about 30 seconds, which isn't really a creep, all through Ben Brown free kicks. <laughs> and it was just glorious Started going nuts My alcohol consumption accelerated too As I got happier and happier and Then when we won We were on a pub crawl We were moving from both place Doing my victory dance everywhere But then for the rest of the night I just tapped people on the shoulder And shoved the uh, uh, the AFL app in their face With the score on it Thank god I wasn't with you But I was also out Having some frothies But I was watching the game It was on in the yeah. background Watching little bits and pieces I was cat- myself laughing at halftime you've oh missed so God. many chances i was just thinking this is perfect i can just imagine rory's head exploding so i was pretty shattered <laughs> I, I was like i was desperate to have a week where i was happy and you weren't i just i wanted it to happen we just We've we fluctuated together yeah, but at least i had the fantasy victory i had that to hold over you yeah look I, you need small victories I'm small you're calling it small yeah well look it's comfortable what, you i know, would call it in the end i'll have the last laugh with fantasy i always do you didn't last year, man. Oh, I made the grand final. You did over me. But yeah. <laughs> it's just not in the grand final. Anyway, nobody cares about that. Let's get to your bloody segment. What do you mean nobody? I like Okay, all right. <laughs> okay, one person cares about that. Something which everybody cares about is this segment, which is Gold Jacket, Green Jacket. The title derives from the line in Happy Gilmore, Gold Jacket, Green Jacket, who gives a shit. And we give 3-2-1 votes for the most meaningless games of the round. And... A completely objective formula we have. And guess what's come out with one vote? Melbourne defeated Sydney by 22 points. I'm so proud points. of you. So you, you can't criticise me ever again. You agree with that now? I, this was... <laughs> I finally had I some I absolutely happiness. reserve the right to criticise you whenever I want. But yeah, no, I'm very, very proud of you. You did go before you started doing your formula. There's objectively only three games to look at and your game wasn't one of them. But, so you know... I, I'm going to say I'm taking great joy with this. Look, I did, but I did overcome that bias, and I put yeah. it in, and we're in there. So you can't criticise me ever never again. never lies, does it? Ever again. Uh, but, you know, finally a little bit of happiness for me. And really, upsettingly, I'm actually feeling quite positive about us right now. And I probably shouldn't be, and I know it's going to turn around, but like... You're turning into a nuffy. Uh, but it was the way we played in the second the half. the wins and the losses. The, the way we played in the second half, it was us again. That was Melbourne, and we just haven't looked anything like that for mm. three and a half weeks and we all of a sudden we were winning the contest we were just running over the top of them we looked so much more powerful had issues converting uh, had, yeah. once we started getting the inside that's 50 familiar. count up but that's that's normal but you know Tom McDonald started getting involved again mm. and it just things just seemed to start clicking Melksham was hitting his amazing passes again and it just it, start, it just it felt exactly like last year and 
I feel like it, like that should be sustainable. It should be sustainable. And I, I have a feeling we might just click in a gear. We've got a 10-day break or a 9 or 10-day break. Got St. Kilda. You know, I'm always nervous about every game, as you know. But, like, we should win that. I'd give us a real chance to beat Richmond on Anzac even. I think we've got Hawthorne and then Gold Coast. I can see us going on a real run. It's not like you smashed Sydney, though. And they but we did, we did once we started playing our way. Yeah, but they should have killed the game before you had that chance. But they didn't, and Nathan Jones lifted us. And then, But the point was, no, we, that, that first half, the way we played then, or the first quarter and a half, the way we played then is how we'd been playing for three weeks. Something happened, we clicked, we started playing like Melbourne again. And I am hopeful that that is a click moment for the season and we can keep projecting from that Sydney point. aren't good, though. I agree with you, yes. But, mate, we slaughtered them. In the I'm, I'm, just trying to, I'm just trying to be like, you're, opti- you're optimistic and I just don't want you to get hurt. So let's, let's look at this rationally. <laughs> you know, that's normally what I do. I yeah. normally do what you're saying. But I, I don't know. For some reason, I just got a good, good vibe. You were terrible for half the game still and you should have been out of it. Almost half and the game, And then yeah. the part you were dominant, you were dominant over a pretty bad team. And you're coming out. Where are you thinking you go from here, though? I think the way we played in the second half, we played very, very well. And we played in a way that I know we can play for a season because I saw it last season. So I'm hoping that that's So continues. that's top four or is it more your five to no, eight? No, we're not, no, no. It might be bottom half of the eight. Like We've already blown it enough. We're not going to be making top four. Okay. But I'm hoping to make finals and hopefully we can hit finals with momentum like we did last year and then maybe do something. That's, that's what I'm hopeful for. Yeah, okay. Okay, that's not too ahead of yourself. Anyway... Two votes. Uh, this is this is a little bit sad as well, actually. We've given two votes to the Derby. West Coast defeat a Fremantle by thirteen points. I, I never, I'd never like to give them votes. They always get occasion it's points. Pretty, it's pretty shocking. Yeah, but it was. I mean, it wasn't. Formula doesn't lie, though. It wasn't a terrible game. Like it was close-ish. Frio, to be honest, like real credit to them without Fife to be that close. But like West Coast were in front all night. They were always going to win it, and they ended up winning comfortably enough. And it was a, a pretty shocking it. game. <laughs> Yeah, like scrappy, low yes. scoring. Yes, Frio have got back to. They had one week where they scored a lot, and every game since then has been a scrap. Like that just makes me feel so shit. <laughs> I, I don't know what happened though? Like they seemed like they were clearly making yeah. an effort to change. It really I honestly like don't that. know. Like, and like they went really tall, and Jesse Hogan missed one game. They had three talls. They smashed us, and they moved the ball a lot quicker. And I'm not, like, it's obviously not ah. Jesse Hogan's fault, but the forward structure change, it's got to be part of it, doesn't oh, it? Oh, that doesn't change ball movement through the middle of the ground. It absolutely does. No, that changes the final kick inside 50 a lot of the time. But no, but it had more, it had an impact in the way they ran the ball through the lines and but stuff But they, well. they, were, they were picking off kicks in the corridor and streaming forward as a midfield group against you. Mm. Which, you can still be doing that if you have a tall forward line. The problem is you might end up hitting a wall and then hacking it in there, hitting the ground and having no one around it. And that, that creates those issues. But in terms of ball movement, it is looking different. No, I think it's more than that. They're, they're slower around the ground because of it. I, I think I think it matters. And I like Nah, it's... it was just you guys being terrible. Yeah, you? like that was <laughs> a large part of it. You just gave them so much space. That was a large part of it. But I, I do think there's a clear dif- like demarcation between when they were moving the ball quickly and when they've slowed down again. And it's... The forward structure. And the problem is, Tabiner's played pretty well. You can't drop Jesse Hogan. You can't drop Rory Lobb. And McCarthy's played well. Oh, we said a few weeks ago, if I was dropping anyone, I'd be dropping Lobb. Yeah. I'd definitely be dropping. The but others... you never drop a guy you brought in for a first round pick. Well, I mean, before. like you shouldn't. Like, I know why. I know teams do have that attitude, but yeah, you shouldn't. it's the gambler's 
fallacy. Like, yeah, you, you shouldn't have that attitude if he's not playing well enough. And it's not so much he's not playing well enough. I just think structurally he's not as important as the others. But anyway, that's enough about Freeman. Look, like West Coast are very, very good. They look, they the, apart from round one, they look exactly like West Coast last yeah. year. So they'll be top four. I, I would have no hesitation at yeah, all to say especially that. Especially with how strong they are at home. Anyway, moving on uh, to three votes. Uh, we're giving Collingwood defeated the Western Bulldogs by 14 points. So to those teams, we say... Gold jacket, green jacket, who gives a shit? Yeah, look, Scott, this was a terrible game. Let's <laughs> be frank. We have very little to say about this. The listeners won't know this, but we just had to edit about 30 <laughs> seconds of dead silence where he didn't know what to say. Yeah, well, I mean... It was like, a what? bad game. Collingwood are okay. Like, Collingwood are good. They didn't play well. The dogs are better than I thought. You got anything to add to that? Look, not not a lot to add to that, to be honest. I mean, Collingwood are obviously good. They probably haven't been quite as good as we that, thought. Yeah, actually, they, they haven't played very well all year outside well, of the Richmond game. The really. Richmond game, they just they looked so imposing, and mm. we thought, okay, here we go. This is that was round two, and we thought they had a sloppy round one. Here we go. But to be honest, I mean, okay, Richmond had a great win this week, but. We're not thinking Richmond are that great at the moment. So no, especially not this current that iteration. Reflect, was that win that reflective of, of anything, to be honest? And since then, they've just been sort of scrapping their way through it. Dogs are... I think they're okay. Yeah. They're, they're no they'll be okay. about 10, 10 wins around that mark. Good year season. That'd be that'd be a good year. I'd yeah. say 8 to 10. 8 to 10? 8 to 10, yeah. Yeah, so they're okay. They're not an easy beat at this point because their midfield's playing really well. Bond and Pelly is having a cracker of a season. Just needs to finish the ball a bit better. But, like, yeah, Collingwood are just going at the moment. And that's really... You can't really take anything from them. It'll either get to a point where it's worrying that they haven't been able to step up at all, or it'll be they stepped up and it was obviously just them working into the season. So what I've heard people say about them is it doesn't look like they're having as much fun as they had last year. Which last year, they you know, they had such... That, they didn't have low expectations, but they, yeah. they completely exceeded anything that anyone thought. And they just got to the point where they just seemed to be playing off adrenaline almost, where now they're expected to be the best team in the comp. And they seem to be playing a pretty heavily sort of structured, heavily coached yeah. game, particularly with their ball movement, which well, honestly, it's, that's it's a just slow They're not ball playing movement. as well. Like I, I don't think it's Could necessarily be. anything to do with the fun they're having at training or anything like that. No, yeah, but it's they're, the, they're missing... the fun in their game. Like, yeah. They're not. For example, if you compare it to how Essendon looked this week, where they were just streaming forward and all they yeah. were trying to do was just kick as many goals as possible. Collingwood don't look like that. They look like they have a little bit of shackles on them and there's a little bit of chipping around and just taking it yeah, slow. Yeah, guys like Stevenson haven't really got off the leash the same way. They're missing Hoskin Elliott as sort of that link-up half-forward because Elliott's yeah, I guess. having to play pretty close to home with his body issues. Mm. He, he's a great player, but there's not he's not really a high half-forward at this point. Yeah, Hoskin Elliott's the one he just... Like he had so many goals out the back. Where Elliot, yeah, you more expect he, him to potentially take a mark or be yeah. thrown centre is more what you're expecting from him. Uh, but look, I, again, like I, I think Collingwood are a very, very good team. But I don't know, they just seem... They seem like they're playing a bit of a chess game at the moment more than having fun yeah. playing footy. I guess. It'll be interesting to see if they open up. But the uh, most important part out of the Western Bulldogs game, as always, is... Uh, <laughs> it's time for quite a sheepish Billy Gowers watch. <laughs> Billy, Billy, Billy. Billy Gowers watch go downhill from last week or not? Uh, just a tad. Uh, yeah. Look, let's go through it. Uh, one kick 
Four handballs, zero marks, three tackles, and uh, zero goals, zero. Uh, but look, I mean, what's he doing? Like, as we decided can, last can week... I just, he's increasing his versatility. He knows he can be the best player on the ground. He just wanted to see what it was like to be the worst player on the ground. Exactly. As you, we, there's, as, no, there's no two ways about you it. You saw him play as a Ruckman mm. last year. I, I, like, I think that must be what he's doing. He's the most versatile player in the game. Absolutely. But as we decided last week, Billy decides everything that he does. Mm. Now, obviously, there was a reason for this. There was a reason why he wanted to have a quiet week. And I suppose a bit of it, he might be making the other players feel not as good because he's just so dominant. Oh, yeah, of course. But, His teammates would start getting jealous. Yeah, I think it might be a little bit of that. He's a bit worried oh, you know about who I reckon? Cohesion. You know who I reckon really would be affected? Bontempelli's been the golden child for the last yeah, four years. Yeah. I can see him not taking it well. He'd be worried that Billy's yeah. sort of overtaking and him. And now, look, Billy's taken a step back to let him flourish, and now Bontempelli's leading the coaches' votes. That's <laughs> purely down to Billy. Like, he gets full credit for that. I've got to say, Banjo, like, uh, every week our best take comes from Billy Gower's watch because I, I think that, 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 that's it, At the moment, it is requiring us to be quite creative. <laughs> Yeah, we might have to start looking at his tweets again. Yeah, <laughs> we, we might week. go for some non-football no, content. Like he's been playing quite well. He had, he, had a, he had a quiet one, as did a lot of his teammates. Well, yeah, well, there yeah. wasn't well, there weren't many goals kicked to begin it, with, exactly. so, and that's where most of his impact exactly. comes from. And he's a little man, so he's not, you know, he, he needs a bit of space to work with. He does, really. he does. And didn't have a lot of it uh, this week. Anyway, let's move on to another segment, just racking him up at the moment. It's time for the Cane Corns Call of the Week, where we look at... The best slash worst, because it's kind of in the Uncanny Valley there, <laughs> take all the week from somebody and uh, then make one of our own to just really get in the spirit of things. I like the fact you're mixing up your introduction for Cane Corns. You know, you know what it is. <laughs> I forget what I've said every week before. <laughs> no, so. no, it's, it's, that was a quite a different one. It's a bit different to how I unveil Gold Jacket, Green Jacket, yeah. but anyway. Uh, yeah, and this week, it's, this is a momentous occasion. This is a world first mm. for the Cane Corns Call of the Week. Yeah. For the first time ever, it's shared between two people. And, yeah, I understand the listener might be a bit shocked by that. It's, it's pretty brazen. But it <laughs> is in the same segment. It's in the same call. It's not two people sort of having the same opinion separately or anything like that. It's all one sort of flow of thought, flow of consciousness. Yes. So we think it still fits. Um, we've, done, we've taken this to the ethics board to really check if that, to make sure it, yeah, to make sure it worked. And it came back all clear. <laughs> um, it's from Scott Cummings and Daniel Harford, Collingwood, uh, Carlton, AFLW coach? Uh, yeah. Yeah, Carlton. Yes. Right? Formerly of Collingwood's assistant coach. Yes. Anyway. Yes. Yeah. And it's just a great call. They were commentating on 3OW for the North Adelaide game, and they're talking about Jack Zebel. Scott Cummins goes, very dangerous on the lead, Zebel. And Harford responds with, he's a better four than Dusty. Cummins follows up with, and he's a better kick than Dangerfield. So, when, when you look at it, like you have to do it as a team call because to yeah. be honest, like both calls on their own are not that absurd. Like I think better forward than Dusty. I'd like I, I disagree with that, but that's not ridiculous. Better kick than Dangerfield. He probably is to be honest. No, he's definitely not. But <laughs> he's, he's okay. No, well, Dangerfield's not. not a great kick. Like, I understand where they're coming from individually. <laughs> But when you mould them together, it very much sounds like they're trying to compare Zeebel to Dusty yeah, and Dangerfield. Like, if you said, better for than Dusty, better kick than Dangerfield, but describing a player, you'd be like, oh, better player. Yeah, you say that. That is outrageous. He's got the forward attributes of Dusty, plus the kicking. <laughs> like, it feels yeah. like it's that sort of yeah, vibe. Yeah, he's, the, <laughs> he's like a mutant combination of the two. I feel like that's what they were trying to he's do. He's significantly worse than both of them individually, let alone them put together. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't Even belong in this. You, he does, I, I am very 
aware when it comes to Zeeble's limitations. You took your time, but you, you, you got No, him. I love him. There was a while there where you were pretty hot on him. I still and I love kept, him. I kept ripping into you about him, eventually realised he he's a mediocre a thug. player. He just, he's above mediocre. A little bit. But he's just <laughs> not one of the best three players in the competition, as those two quite clearly no, he's, are. He's a little bit off it. Better or worse than Mason Cox? <laughs> uh, quite clearly better than Mason Cox. Yeah, he's uh, better than Mason. He might be the 50th best player in the competition. <laughs> <laughs> he, he just beats Mr. Number 51 himself. Yeah, anyway, uh, take it away with yours. It's my third. All right, well, uh, I'm going with a bit of a, a media take or, you know, mm. criticising the yep. media take. Uh, access all areas, which is a staple of the plebs. We, we've loved it for years. We yeah, always we talk about it. was voted number one in the... Uh, Best AFL football shows by the plebs. It was a by few you. years ago. I think I had 360, but it was right up there for me as well. We, okay. we, we have loved right. it for a very long time. I didn't time. realize you were a traitor to the cause. I think it's I think it's dipped horrendously. I think it's now <laughs> worse than the footy show. And I mean like the current <laughs> footy show, which look, I haven't watched, but I know it's bad. Access All Areas is worse, man. Are you it's, saying the current footy show is worse than the old footy show? That's impossible. Uh, like I don't know. I haven't watched it, but like <laughs> it's it got worse ratings than the old one. But anyway, we're not talking about the footage. Access all areas now. We know they were had a problem a couple of years ago. Kick yeah. out Gary, who's an absolute superstar. Bring in bloody Jimmy Bartell, who's boring as all hell and says nothing on the show. That's the first problem. Then last week they were on Kane Corn's big call of the week, where it was Lloydie comparing Brisbane and Carlton's <laughs> list. <laughs> that was which, funny. I mean, we've never had them on the Kane Corn's big call of the week. Before. No, it's they, generally they, a place for good football commentary. They're going off the rails. And then, like, it's too long now. The best thing about it was it was like 10 minutes. You just sat there. I'd sit there with my lunch on a Monday and just... Watch a little bit of it's now a twenty minute show. It's the same length as any other show. And then the biggest problem of all, this week they did not mention Melbourne until the last minute of the show in which they asked who has been the most disappointing team this year. And Lloyd's answer was Melbourne. And then they followed it up with who's the best ruckman in the comp. And the answer by both of them was not Max Gorn. I mean, is that the like why wasn't that our Kane Corn's call? So I think you're wrong on pretty much every level here. Um, I like the longer format, so you're wrong there. You like it, really? I'm surprised. That was the best thing about it. Was Scott, I'm unemployed. Size. I have nothing to do. Of course, I like Fair. more, more Fair. time to learn. <laughs> Fair. Uh, Jimmy Bartell's great. Love Jimmy Bartell. One of the only commentators to ever stand up to anybody else's opinion. His special comments during a game are good. He's terrible on access all areas. Still wrong. Bring back Gary. I've forgotten the rest of your points. But then, the one <laughs> where you're just whinging about Melbourne not getting a call. You had them in Gold Jacket, Green Jacket. Why would they talk about them? They're irrelevant. Oh, so when we have three terrible games, they, that's like the number one story that they talk about. And then we actually play well for once. Does not get a single mention. Play well for a half against the I'm not saying it should have been the headline, but we should have had a bit of he talk He did have about a mention. You had a mention that was very, very fair. You are the most disappointing team in the competition. I, like, I, I agree with the, that call. So then what are you disappointed with? And Max Gorn's not as good as Brody Grundy. So it literally, they've been right on every front and you're just whinging. 73 hit out to 13. This really was a case. 73 hit out to 13. I, I'm honestly mate. impressed you made such a bad call. I didn't think you had it in you. <laughs> nah, it's, it's let me down. I used to love it. It's let me down. <laughs> Oh, uh, you ready for me to really, really uh, try and one up you here? Yeah, you tried to keep this from me, but I know what it is now. <laughs> I guessed it. <laughs> Nathan Jones is cooked. Oh, uh, well, this is just ridiculous. Let, Did you watch his game on the weekend? Yeah. And he, he's cooked. He was best on ground by a mile. No, well, he, he wasn't. He only got nine coaches votes. There is every chance that he got he... the exact same amount of coaches votes as Max Gorton, so he already. 73 hit out to 30. He should have had 10. <laughs> 
He should have absolutely had. He was easily our best player. He could potentially have single-handedly turned our season around with the way that he played on the weekend. We were doing terribly. He kicks two goals, lifts the entire team, and then kicks the sealer in yeah, the last Yeah, but that's quarter. all he can do at this point. Wrong! He, he played a great game for four quarters. No, he's just average. He's not quick. He's not a good kick. He doesn't make position that well. He's a below-average wingman. He's not a below average. He's like, a just, below he's average. He's one of our wingman. very few players who runs you know who's he's, You know who's field. a lot better than him? Trent Dumont. But he's an elite wingman, so I guess that's okay. <laughs> Shut the hell up. <laughs> he's kicking. He, he can butcher it at times, but he's a damaging kick. He's, he's a very... Oh, he's lost penetration no, on it. Uh, no, 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 no. That's, that's the interesting thing. One of our issues in our midfield, and I think one of the reasons we have issues going forward, is two of our most likely players to be kicking it inside 50 are Brayshaw and Viney. Neither of them can kick a dart kick. Neither of them has it in their arsenal to kick a stab kick. Brayshaw's very good at weighting it, mm. but he's, he can't kick it low and flat. Jones is great at that. Jones can hit someone on the chest like outstandingly well. He'll go for it sometimes and miss it, and people get frustrated because he's meant to be our leader and he's an experienced player and stuff. But he's actually quite damaging with his bullies. He runs defensively unlike anyone else. He's playing a good role for us at the moment, and we are much better off for having him in the team, and he's single-handedly yeah, turned our season around. Scott, it. How can you shit on him after this week? Because it's this is like this is his peak, and it's just not repeatable. Everyone's celebrating Nathan Jones, and you're just... Yeah, some, someone needs to keep their head on straight. He's not going to be able to play this role with any frequency. He'll be in our team for the rest of the year, and he'll deserve to be there. Yeah, and then he'll retire or get dropped the next year. He's, nah, he's got a couple years left. He's going to get Andrew Swallow. He's going to win a flag. He's going to hold on too he's long. He's going to get the flag he deserves. He's not playing another 40 years, Scott. <laughs> yeah, well, that's a different argument. <laughs> no, nah, I'm not happy with you. Yeah, well, you're wrong. So I'm... who cares? Anyway, let's move on to the glorious game of the round. North defeat Adelaide by 12 points. Poor Haggard's football. It's just so good. <sighs> you know who was good? Sean Atley. Did you see where he broke through like three different tackles? In once, one was Rory Sloan's, and then just hit Ben Brown on the tit. It was beautiful, Scott. Finally played a good game, did you? They've been saying yeah, it for first time, years. First time since Dodoro called him the next Christian Judd. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Every year, it's Sean Atley's going to have a big one this year, and uh, he's always... Damien Barrett once said he was going to be All-Australian in the sliding doors column. That was about five years ago. He's <laughs> <laughs> bringing that up, you idiot. Uh, look, what, was it a good game of footy? No. No, it wasn't. It was... Uh, it would have been fine if we'd kicked straight. Well, no, it wouldn't have been a good game. It would have been like a fine quality game if we'd kicked straight. But we would have killed them if we'd kicked straight. So it wouldn't have been close. Like it was one or the other. Yeah, there was okay. no... Yeah, yeah. That, but that made it look like a bad... Because you were dominating and then turning yeah. it over and it just made it look like a or big just slot. missing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, especially early on. Like I think by the end of it, you were playing all right. Yeah. But, yeah, early on it was pretty disastrous. Most importantly, we addressed a lot of... Well, we addressed one of the main issues... We didn't concede. I was wrong. We'd not conceded 120 points from clearances. We'd conceded 150 points from clearances <laughs> yes. in the first three weeks. We only conceded 15 this week. Is that still quite high compared to... I think it's a little better because it's not... I was thinking of centre clearances. It, then I think I was cross-mingling stats that didn't make sense. Yeah. So I think that's... I think it's slightly below averages. But, um... Oh. It was nice to not just get killed every time the ball broke loose. Could a little bit of that be Adelaide's midfield? They're not a particularly yeah. dynamic midfield. They have a lot of inside players. In all honesty, the takeaway from this game is a lot more about Adelaide than it is us. Yeah, I probably agree with you, to be honest. They didn't comprehensively beat Sydney, and they've lost to everyone else. Yeah, I've been I've been hanging on with Adelaide because like none of the games they look bad. Like they haven't, but they just haven't. Oh, looked this one. Good. 
Yeah, I guess. Well, that's what I'm kind of saying. This is this week I'm starting to be worried yeah. more than I have in the past. But interestingly, it's all the stuff that we were confident they'd be good at, which is making them bad. Yeah, it, 2017, we say they have the best forward structure we've nearly ever seen. The best forward ball movement. The, it's all it was the, it was clearly the, by design the way they moved the ball. Ball movement was their strength. It's largely the same group of people, and it's just completely fallen apart. Yeah. Taylor Walker, I don't know if I said this last week, but he's just a shadow of his former self. He's not good anymore. And like I would say that about Nathan Jones, but it's a lot more diet with Taylor Walker. Yeah. Like, yeah no, he, no, you can't disagree with that. Yeah. Josh Jenkins has never been someone you can build an offense around. He's a good sort of second, third, yeah. forward, but never can't he doesn't attack the ball well enough in the air to be more than that. Tom Lynch is again a pretty similar, has to be a support player. He's unbelievably good support player but has to be a support player and bets i've already said i think he's a bit cooked and that's their that's their core forward line and it's just none of it's clicking yeah and they're like they're racking it up in the midfield we're like mm. again like a couple of years ago their ball movement was great our one issue with them was their midfield depth their midfield yeah they could get beaten in strong. the midfield right now you look their midfield is the only thing which seems well to be they've working, got but... bryce gibbs in the sandful and hugh greenwood's miles out he but might even be in the sandful reserves at this rate they're clearly having ball movement issues a lot off half back um they've got great half backs ostensibly but no, but they, they put bryce gibbs back there against geelong as the game went on he didn't but, look too bad i didn't like, think he got the ball but he wasn't he wasn't going for risky kicks no he was going for neat kicks that didn't really get them anywhere Surely you get him in off half back and you tell him, like, I really want you to take the game on. He's good enough to do that. He's yeah. a great kick of the footy, Gibbs. Uh, Laird should, Laird's not providing the run he was the year before. No, he got plenty of fantasy points this uh, week. He did, he did. But <laughs> that's not exactly what I'm talking yeah. about. Brody Smith hasn't been back to his all-Australian level self. Yeah, yeah. He's been okay, but he's not been good. And he was better, probably better when he first came back at the end of last year. He's like he's a, he's quick and he's got a nice long kick. He's not going to be picking out. Yeah, he's not a great zone, short kick, is he? Which is what Bryce Gibbs can do. So like, I think surely that's the way you go about it. He could set up a lot of player. Yeah, and I think Miller doesn't necessarily have to play as a halfback. I think he, they, I'm not sure they have room for all four of them playing like attacking halfback roles. He might not be all Australian if they put him in another position. Miller, yeah, no. Do you see Which him play the midfield be. against Geelong? It's pretty good. Yeah, he can play. He can be all. I don't think he'd everywhere. be an all Australian midfielder. Yeah, probably it's pretty not. hard to get in there. Probably not. But yeah, I don't know. It's pretty easy if you're a winger. There's only like three of them in the competition. Well, yeah, yeah, okay, fair <laughs> enough, fair enough. But they've got to change something because it's just not working. No, it's. Yeah, it's it's clearly an issue, and I, I don't see it changing. And they're getting really restless at Adelaide. The fans kind of want Pike to go, which is an unbelievable turnaround. Yeah, it's nuts. He was he was looking like one of the great coaches a couple of years ago. Yeah, it's actually kind of crazy how often that happens. But anyway, we'll move on. Enough. Uh, we didn't even pump North up that much. We just chat on Adelaide. Exactly, I did well. GW <laughs> <laughs> defeated Geelong by four points. This was probably the game of the round. This is a great game. Yeah, probably game of the round. I'm very big on, I think, Richmond's win was more impressive than GWS's win. But Oh, interesting. You know, still pretty damn impressive, to be honest with you. I pretty <laughs> fundamentally disagree with that. All right, why? Well, it's a higher echelon win, just flat out. And okay, even yeah. even with Richmond's adversity, like GWS had Cullen Ward do his ACL 
in the first minute. Like, there's not like there was an adversity from GWS's point. They had no Toby Green. Like, they had names out too. And it's just, I think Geelong are quite clearly a contender. And to go beat Geelong on their home deck is just flat out more impressive. It's better than a beating a B-plus or a B-grade team, which is probably around where Port Adelaide are with the Skeletons crew. I would rather beat an A-plus team. I think Even I, if you have less adversity. I think it's best for me to give my counter-arguments when we get to the Richmond point. Yeah, game. fair enough. Because it's more about how incredibly good I think that re- win was from Richmond. And I don't want to start criticising GWS now. Because again, fair enough. Like, there's not a massive difference between them. And this was an unbelievably good win. But let's talk about how clean GWS look in the midfield. Yeah. Unbelievably clean. They got their best player back in Josh Kelly. He really made a difference. Oh, um, second best, but he's pretty good. In all honesty, yeah. one player we do not give enough credit to in these conversations is Whitfield's pretty good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true, actually. We, we, he's normally the second thought, which... Yeah. Like... You know, like you could make an argument he knocks off Kelly, probably not Cornelio, but <laughs> you, you could make an argument. Like he's been, he's racking it up. He's, he's getting, an like, unbelievable user, and he's so clean with his hands. He's not a big guy, but he can win contests by his cleanliness and speed around the ball. And he's just he's good at everything. Yeah, so he's so he's playing a lot of half back, which I or think, just at the back of the contest as sort of the defensive line midfielder, bit of a sweeper, yeah. yeah. But um. I think generally that's the easiest role to play in the terms of you can get the stats. Yeah. But when it becomes important is when you are such a good ball user. And there yeah. are some players who get the stats and then they create play. And we are just talking about with Adelaide. He is someone who can just pick something off in the middle of a zone and all of a sudden there's a scoring yeah. opportunity. He rarely wastes a possession. No, like, He's yeah, fantastic. Pretty, pretty much never. And he, do, he does not go for easy kicks. No. He goes for and difficult kicks. Their short and midfield long. has really developed as well. Hopper is playing like the way he was talked up before he yeah. came to the league. He slid to seven, but all through his draft, he was talked about as like a top-line level pick next to Heaney. And he looks at... He's just so clean and powerful out of the middle. The way he's... He's got... He's just got the confidence to run with the ball in a way he didn't up until sort of the back end of last year. And it's so good. I love watching the way he carries the ball. It's just like a weird thing I'm into. <laughs> it's something which... Uh, it- when stuff like this happens, it, it reminds you how much being a good player is about opportunity. Yeah. Because like he, he probably could have been that last year. Although he was given the opportunity. He like they've they've always been you're a midfielder with him. But he was he wasn't a starting centre bounce midfielder. No, but he was the second level one. Now, but he's probably still that, isn't he? Uh, he's got Taranto up there with him. He's still got Kelly with him. He's still got Cornelio with him. But he'd be on par with Taranto. I, yeah. I don't know. He's clearly gone up the rung of midfield time. Yeah. And as a result, he's getting more of the ball. He's being more noticeable. He's not like he, he spent a fair bit of time forward last year. He's mm. not doing that as much. And all of a sudden, he's getting the stats, and then we're noticing him. Like, it's so much of it is about the kids who get a chance to go into the midfield. Yeah. And then we start noticing them. You worried about Geelong at all with this? Oh, no, of course yeah, I'm not. not. Well, I mean, like, I mean, yes and no. I, I had quite low expectations of Geelong to start the season, and they're clearly a better team yeah. than I ever thought they would be. So. People have started. I think in a premiership market, they're quite. They they were of, equal favourite going into. Yeah, the I, I don't think they belong there, and I think potentially this shows that. But I, like, I'm not worried in the sense that they're still performing far better than I thought they would, and they still look like they're on a really good path. I, I don't expect they're going to win the premiership. I'd be surprised if they make a grand final. They they might scrape into a top four. That's kind of what I'm thinking. To be honest, I I can easily see them making a grand final and winning the flag. I've been very impressed by the way they've started this year. 
And I st- I'm still not worried by this performance at all. I put GWS in the same category the way they're playing at the moment. I think yeah. they're right up there with the chance to win. And to be honest, I'm very surprised by GWS. I thought they were. Yeah, same. You, you been left probably them the out two... of your top eight, didn't you? Yeah. yeah they've they're probably been the two teams that surprised me the most in a, in a positive sense. <laughs> yeah, other uh, than our own misery. Yeah, about so uh, <laughs> like when it comes down to a good game of footy, really good win for GWS. Yeah, and yeah potentially a sign for something big from them coming. Yeah, well, let's move on. Essendon defeated Brisbane by 47 points. I didn't see this coming in this way. No, not to be this comprehensive, especially because, you, you know, I was not impressed with how they played against Melbourne. Yeah, you were very much on the, it says more about us than yes. them. This, now, uh, this was more impressive, obviously, mm. and they were quite dominant. I don't know if it is sustainable, though, the way that they play. Like, they... they it's been very hit and miss for a couple of years now. It was. It still the game still felt disjointed in the way that the Melbourne game felt. Mm. It didn't feel like an organised team, a team who knew their systems, who knew their structures, and who were confident yeah. and reliable. It felt like a team who were taking a lot of risks, and a lot of them worked this time. And they're against an experienced team who've been, you know, really riding high, and had a bit of a disappointing week. And they they were better through the midfield, and their efforts better, which is the main thing that's changed around. Except yeah. the way they're playing. Like I can see it just going horribly wrong at various points and them getting beaten comfortably at times, and that's not going to be enough for them to be a very good team. Yeah, it might be enough for them to with finish the way eighth. they started the year. Like, yeah, the, the expectations well, two on, two now. Yeah, but the expectations were top six and higher. Really. Yeah, people were hoping they'd be challenging for the yeah. four. Is probably and I. It, it's not so much that they're two and two; it's that they lost to St Kilda and they got flogged by yeah. GW. Like it's the way they lost those games. And I think that's as indicative of how they are, who they are as a team, as these last two wins have been. Yeah. I don't think you write off those first two weeks as an anomaly. I think you say it's all in the same melting pot. What you not you don't know what you're going to get with Essendon. Yeah. And that can be fun on days like this where they go absolutely bonkers and tipper kicks seven goals, and that was awesome. Which is awesome. That man. was just so, fantastic. If you're a fan, like that's so much fun. Yeah. But I mean, when but you then were... you get the really really frustrating games. Yeah. And, when, That's going to be there as much. When we've been watching the champion teams of the last few years, you really do get a feeling. You sit back and just think, look, they're just so well drilled. Mm. They just know exactly what they're doing. They'll be doing this week in, week out. I've not got close to that feeling with Essendon. The no. way Essendon are playing, I've never seen a team get close to a premiership playing in that way. No, it's, they, just, it's very much what they're trying to do is of an era before teams sort of paid much attention to how they'd structure up defensively. Yeah. Like, it finds, like, the way they want to play football, it's not the same just kick it long, carries paddock type stuff that from the 90s, but it's the same, like, philosophy of how much you want to score, what type of game you want to play. It's you really want shootouts, you want to be as brave as possible, and you really want the ball moving quickly. But if other teams don't want to play that way and they set up well, they're going to stop it. Defense has become a little too good mm. for that. And Hurley and Hooker have been looking good. Maybe they're just hoping that they're just going to cover them. But that yeah. it doesn't work like that these days. Footy is a 22-man, like defense, 18-man yeah. defense. <laughs> um, and they're just, yeah, they're not playing that well. For for Brisbane, um, like, I think they're going to have blips like this occasionally. Like, yeah, that's they're a inevitable. young team. They're yeah. still positive starters you could really hope for. They've Absolutely. got a really exciting game this week against Collingwood. And I think... In Sin Brisbane, isn't it? Yeah, and yeah. I think this we, we spoke about um, Collingwood having fun last year. I think Brisbane are going to be a team that has fun yes. 
all exactly. year. Just and they have been, yeah. Everything's gravy and it's a, just a great change from where they've been. So it's just going to be exciting and I'm quite excited to see where it takes them. Yeah, that'll be a lot of fun. That'll be a lot of fun. Anyway, let's get to our top five, the only segment we have that needs no explanation. Uh, this week we are... We're sort of half doing a segment. Like we were gonna do, we were gonna blatantly copy Damien Barrett's article on players who need to lift and just come up with our own list. We thought we'd steal most of the names from his, but when we reviewed it, his list was terrible. And we felt what we should do instead is say the top five <laughs> worst names of worst players that. Need, oh, how do you explain what uh, I worst to, selections? Yeah, in it, yeah, that's it. List of- players who need to live because it was a terrible article like it was a good idea for an article and as soon as we started looking at the names we just saw like all of them were ridiculous yeah, for I wrote, different reasons I wrote half the names down he had one for each team I wrote down nine names <laughs> yeah, as exactly. possible ridiculous it, exactly and there's a lot of different reasons for why a lot of them are bad which we'll, we'll get into which just makes it more impressive like he's not consistently wrong it's not a pattern <laughs> failure yeah. it's it's just completely haphazard. It's pretty glorious, to be honest. Yeah, well, so my number five is I'm going with one, which is uh, this one comes from the category of it's wrong because this player is actually playing very well. I've got Himmelberg at number five. Yeah. I love the way Himmelberg has been playing. Like, he as good been, was his mark. <laughs> yes. But, like, he hasn't been a, a dominant key forward, but he's not meant to be. He's meant to be the second forward. The amount of space that he's giving Cameron to work in while still getting involved himself. From a structural point of view, I think he's one of the yeah, main Cameron's reasons. Cameron's leading the Coleman. And, and Himmelberg is a part of that. He absolutely has to take credit for that. I think that's one of the main reasons why GWS are playing also, well. Also, he's playing a lot higher. Finlayson so is clearly playing a more goal-oriented role. Yep. Like He's kicked eight in the last two weeks. Like Himmelberg is supposed to be a link-up half-forward the way yeah. he's playing. And, and Damien Barrett complains about it, the amount of goal he's kicked. That, that, that must be the reason he just Ugh. hasn't kicked enough goals. But like he's one of the main reasons why their ball movement has been as clean as we were saying it has been. Because he's giving them a forward system and he's making the other forwards better. I think he's been great. Yeah, that's a dumb one. <laughs> I've gone with Hunter Clark. Yeah, I've got a pretty yeah. strong rule that if it's your second year, <laughs> yeah. you shouldn't be expected to lift. Like you shouldn't be the one whose shoulders you're supposed to carry the team. Hunter Clark, this actually carries through. This is a pattern of his. Yeah, he's, he's had put, a few of these. Yeah. Putting way too young players on this list, but and Hunter Clark is the highest draft pick of them all. But still, he was pick eight, and he can't be expected to be the one that turns around yeah. a club. How is, like, yeah. Dan Hanabry, who has the biggest excuse in the world of not being available, should be more have this on his shoulders than Hunter Clark? Yeah, yeah, I suppose. Like, he's a better candidate and he's not even playing. Yeah, look, I really thought about putting him in. He was very close and for the same reasons you've said. I suppose what I came down to is, I suppose what Barrett is saying is that he's a high draft pick. Where St Kilda are at, they really need him to really lift to give them some some drive but like but, well one just they harsh. don't they've had a great start to the year and True. he's just like it's too early to say that it's, about yeah, players it's, it's very very harsh uh, my four I've got Braden Sire here yeah um, I've got him higher yeah there's a there's a couple of reasons for this firstly the fact that you know he was a player who hadn't played before last year and came into mm. the team and performed far better and than we all expected and was a very very tertiary player in that team yeah nothing but, they did was built around him every performance he had was gravy he, he exceeded expectations and now mm. he's common criticism for that for not living up to that again uh, second reason second reason is if 
if Sire comes into the team now and starts playing really well, that's not going to make any difference to Collingwood. Like, no, they do not have spot in the midfield. Exactly. Like when you're talking about players who need to lift, you should be talking about players who, if they lift, will make a big difference to their team. It gives a shit if Sire starts yeah. playing well. All for Collingwood. year, Collingwood have missed either Taylor Adams or Dane Beams or one of their top line midfielders, and Sire still hasn't gotten a game. He's clearly a little bit further back than that. Him lifting just isn't on the cards because he's not going to get the opportunity. It's ridiculous. Very, very harsh. My four was Pierce Hanley. Okay, yeah. I just don't understand. The man's just body's broken down. Yeah. Like, what can you possibly (laughs) expect from him? It's completely outrageous to expect him to lift. Any football he plays is just a blessing at this point because his body's shot. Yeah. Players who need to lift implies that there's the capacity to. And I don't think Hanley has through no fault of his own. Yeah, look, it's very, very mean. But, like, I, I get... Again, I get where it comes from, just the idea. He's a good player who was a big sort of trade across and, like, he'd make a big yeah, difference Yeah, and he's been disappointing, well. but it's not been yes, down it's, to... Yeah, it's not his lack fault. Of, yeah, exactly. It, it, it's harsh. It's just a dumb one. My number three in the same category of the Himmelbergs is Alira Lear. Why the yeah. hell is he in there? Alira is playing great footy. <laughs> He's the second highest rated key defender by champion data so and far this year. Probably should be. And up he's been there. fantastic outside of uh, the first sort of quarter and a bit. Well, first quarter really killed Bruce on the weekend. His intercept marking was excellent. When, when he was in the vicinity, that's mm. when he started feeling like, ah, oh, we got no chance. Yeah, because Elias is going to clean it up. He's playing great footy. What the hell? He's reading like? the ball so well. He's so clean. Oh, I don't even know where this one came from. This is flabbergasting and it's not so this was written a week ago so he didn't see the Sydney game the Sydney Melbourne game yeah but he's been like this all year it's not a one week thing that he played well (laughs) yeah I had Braden Sires three yeah okay Uh, my number two I just thought it was weird that he whacked this guy in here Daniel Venables yeah what's just a random West Coast player to pick out he's played I think he's played like 10 or 15 games and has been like okay and all they have a thousand good small forwards like, they don't need him to lift. And, like, I think if he was going to lift, the way he would do it would be in being a midfielder. But, like, last year they couldn't fit Dom Sheet in their midfield. Yeah, that- They're not going to have Daniel Venables in there getting 35 disposals. Like, it's not his fault. He's, there's no room for yeah, it. Yeah, their midfield's really good. They don't need him to lift in there because they're already really good. Their small forwards are really good. They don't need him to lift there because they're already really good. Where is he going to play and lift it's them? It's just, it feels like he just picked out a random name. It's just, completely you know, like, idiotic. Like he drew him out of a hat. Yeah, it was like, what's a high pick that's not playing for yeah. West Coast? Because yeah. they've got nothing else they have to worry about. Elia <laughs> uh, Elia was my second. Oh, okay, all right. Uh, so, okay, we both got the same number one. We've got this is Morrison. great. What the hell? What, what pick was he? It's like, 70 odd or 50 odd. Absolutely year. ridiculous. Like, he was astonishing that he played anywhere near the way like, he played. He's last looking year. like a great draft pick from where they got him. Yes. And why? what can you expect out of a guy. You don't expect players after, like, what, 25, 30? To re- you don't expect those picks to be good. He's already playing football. He's playing at a reasonably high level. Hawthorne supporters love him, like, quite rightly. If you feel like you've got a diamond in the rough from him. And he's in his second year still developing. What can you possibly expect from him? This uh, is a need to... If you man. need Harry Morrison to lift, you're screwed. Because you don't... <laughs> that's not the position you should be putting that kid in. And Hawthorne don't need him to be to lift. They're not in that position. They're not that screwed. I don't think they're great, but they're not that <laughs> screwed. Oh, yeah. this one was flabbergasting. Like, I don't know how to react to this one. Yep. Oh, mate, Damo. Oh, oh, anyway, let's lower the blood pressure. Let's move on. <laughs> Richmond <laughs> to Peter Port by seven points. Tell us how impressive this was. 
Well, look, a lot of them are the obvious reasons. Yeah. Like heading into the game, like I, don't, I can't think of the last time we've seen a team be as hurt by injuries and suspensions as we've seen from them. Yeah, in the, last the few, clear in the best last four players a team has. Like, and with Richmond, like it's. There is such a big gap between their top four mm. players and anyone else. It's not funny. Like they, Especially they are offensively. Their team. Like their creativity was centred for so long. It's a little better with Lynch now, but it was so long centred around those four players. Yep. Edwards contributes in that area and they're small forwards, I guess. But it's so much of their all-ground creativity is just controlled by those four yeah, players. And on top of that, away from home, and on top of that as well, is the fact that like it wasn't a bad game of footy. It was quite a good no, game. Porter, all right. And they were challenged on a lot of occasions. There were a lot of times in which it looked like Port might just, just run away with it, just really get on top of them. And every time they had the response, and from a team who were missing all of their leaders to the point that Edwards was captaining, which like, never <laughs> Dylan Grimes had a pretty great Instagram post where he called him the Stephen Bradbury. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which is... I like, really rate that like, reasons for that. Like, I, I don't think I've seen a team be put through so much adversity. Is he even in their leadership group? I think he is, but he, he's definitely not vice-captain, that's for sure. Yeah, he's not one of their top-line leaders that you really look to as an outsider, do you? Like, he probably does a lot on the inside of the team, but he's not one that you're really looking to. It's like your Alex Rance or your Jack Rewalt or your... Yeah, no, he, look, he scrapes into the back end of their leaders. He's not a terrible leader, but he's definitely not one of the ones that you'd be relying on week in, week out. So, look, just another sign of the adversity which they went through. Yeah, and it is a great win. It is a great win. It's an awesome win. And they, there were times in the last quarter in which I thought, oh, yeah, Port are going to get it here. And they just kept finding a way to get back into it. And old mate Camden kicks the match winner. Yeah, very, very, very Bad impressive. name, but a reasonable footballer. <laughs> anyway, GW, oh, GWS Gold Coast defeated Carlton by two points. Absolute cracker of a finish. Yes. And so funny. A cracker of a finish. You're not calling that a cracker of a finish. Ten seconds to go and a game winner's kicked. How oh, is that not that a cracker of a finish? That was the sloppiest last few minutes of a game I have ever seen. That was the biggest hack fest of AFL football you'll you'll watch. It was literally, Don't disagree. Still a cracker. <laughs> it was literally just two teams stuffing it up. And then one player didn't stuff it up. Even though, no, he probably did. It was a terrible kick. And Carlton <laughs> just stuffed it up more to not have someone back. It was a so That's bad it's game. good finish. It was a, like, well, look, we tipped them to be 17th and 18th at the start of the year. That's it, what the it, game It was. looked like. It, it looked very like much it. looked like that. But just, Gold Coast just have to be so happy with the way they've started. They've had a combined margin yes, of 11 yes. points. They've won three of them. They've pretty much set up their season to be gravy from here, really, like... Any more wins and you kind of go, this is awesome, this is great for you. If they only win three games for the year, it'd be a sucky finish. But I'd still be like, oh, that's kind of what I expected. From a media perspective, last week, a lot of the, there was a lot of positive talk around Gold Coast. They've kind of put that a bit to the side this week. And it's all been about Carlton. Which Yeah, of course it was going to be. They, like, they love the doom and they love the bigger club. I, I, like, I find it really, really interesting. Just for the reason that the first three weeks... The talk about Carlton was predominantly quite positive from the media. And mm. then they went into a game, Gold Coast were favourite, and they nearly won it. And then all of a sudden it's disaster, sack Bolton, Carlton are terrible. Like, I just, I, I find it very inconsistent. Yeah, it's, it's very strange. <laughs> their response did not match what they, their prediction going in either. Yeah. Like they, they thought they'd lose anyway yeah. and now get really angry that they did. Which might be that they got it wrong in the first few weeks, potentially. Yeah, well, that's how I think. I think they were slightly too praised in the first few. They haven't had a particularly tough draw. Round one against Richmond's always a bit weird and Alex Rance went down, so there was a bit of context attached to that. They lost to Port and they lost to Sydney, two teams that 
Port might scrape into finals, but Sydney won't. They're not great football sides. They could have won them, though. They, they, they could be 2-2 two and two right now, which is a, a step up for Carlton. It's an improvement. Well, they could be 3-1 and one by that measure because they could have won this week, too. Yeah. I, I, the, the other thing which I find interesting about the Carlton discussion is this... This idea of should we accept mediocrity? I, I, I've always been, it's always been a fascinating discussion. Back mediocrity the is an aspiration for Carlton. Scott. Yes, no, but it's the idea of an honorable... mediocrity would be a tenfold improvement on what they are now. Okay, mediocrity the is there. The I have a dream moment at this point. The, the, the question is, if you're a bad team and you get an honourable loss. Can you be happy about that? That's the interesting question. Some you people... absolutely can. It's ridiculous to think that you can. But a lot of people say. A lot of people get furious about that and say, I, "You're accepting mediocrity. I'm... That's why this club sucks because I... the fans get excited about losses." So, a couple of things. Perfect voice for what you just said. Perfectly <laughs> characterised the type of yeah. people you're supposed to imitate. No, people... And two, point I haven't made for about four years, people are idiots. <laughs> but it's not just the nuffies. You hear it in the media as well. Yeah, well, because the media aren't yeah. nuffies. <laughs> True. But it's been a like it's an interesting debate, and I I think it'll be an ongoing debate. I'm very I'm much on the side. It's better to be lose narrowly than get smashed. If, I, if people want to disagree with me on that, I'm willing to have that debate. Yeah, yes, correct. But at some point, you have to start winning. Uh, yeah, absolutely do. But at some point, you have to stop losing by a lot too. Yeah, like, they're all steps. So pat on the back for Carlton. Yeah, pat on the back for Carlton. They're still <laughs> terrible and they don't have their first pick. But a big slap on the back for Gold Coast. Let's move. Yeah, fuck. Awesome from Gold Coast. <laughs> I love Gold Coast so much. They constantly remind me that North didn't move. Anyway, <laughs> St. Kilda defeated Hawthorne by five points. Oh, well, this is another quite happy result for you as well. It's pretty happy for me as well. Yeah, we, this, we always this, is, like. this is a twofold happy one for me. One, Hawthorne lost. Always good. That's a universally happy yeah, thing. Yeah, I people. agree with that. Only, yeah. The only people that are unhappy that Hawthorne lost are Hawthorne supporters. Everyone else is just... Pretty much, like, yeah. It's the great uniting force I think it'll last a while, the hate of Hawthorne as well. I think if, they, if they're like terrible for a few years... The fact, still be like the happy fact that they've won like 13 premierships yeah. in 40 years, that, 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 kind of, that kind of... Yeah. That'll hold on. That's but, a few generations. <laughs> to be honest with you, was this a bad performance from Hawthorne? I mean, they they are absolutely they decimated. They played their twos. They they in terms <laughs> of midfield, yes. In terms of midfield, they do not have one. It is amazing the mm. amount of midfielders they have out. And I think Omira's only missing the one. But on that game, like to be in the game with that sort of midfield is actually quite astonishing. I wanted to change my tip. I was too lazy in the end, and I didn't. But <laughs> I, I think it's extraordinary that it was close. Uh, never has the pod's ethos been more accurately <laughs> reflected in an action. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, pretty much. But uh, we uh, should give St Kilda some credit. They're three and one. They've yeah. had a nightmare season as well, and every other team that's had a nightmare season, really, it's shown up on the scoreboard. But St Kilda keep pushing through, and you got to commend them. So can we say good on Richo? Because, I mean, we've been bagging the crap out of him for years. Surely he deserves a pat on the back now. I haven't, like, yeah. I, I, he definitely, definitely deserves it. I haven't looked at them in what manner I've been able to see what he's changed. Yeah. So from that perspective, like, he's not a coach I'm looking at at the moment and go, wow, he's done something pretty brilliant yeah. tactically. But to be able to rebuild their culture, their system to a point where they're competitive again and have assets. They, they once again have strengths. And last year, all those strengths just disappeared. And I, th- I think that's a real credit to him as much on a person standpoint as a coaching standpoint. Because yeah. to be able to manage people that well and... 
turn that around. And I think the leadership, I thought Lethlian was off his rocker for most of the summer. Uh, but the way he's turned that club around, maybe there's a bit of arrogance yeah, that they I, needed. I, I agree with that. From a system point of view, it doesn't seem like a lot's changed. It just seems like they've got the players to play to it better. And yeah. they're playing with more energy and they seem to be enjoying their footy more. And like, as a result, they're playing a lot better. Yeah, Billings has completely turned his form around and you've got to give some credit to the coach for that. Obviously, the player gets credit as well, but it's... Uh, Everyone's yeah. got to be pulling the same way. And you've yeah. seen Nunes is playing a lot better as well. You're seeing a lot of players get back to a lot better football. He's getting more out of a lot of players. And yeah. that, that's a big tip. And that's a big thing about being a coach. Anyway, let's move on to Poochie's mailbag. Right. I, so, we've got the first question here. Yeah. <laughs> we should introduce. The producer is reading the questions. Yes, yes. <laughs> Thank you, fellas. Does the lack of hate on Ben Brown diving for free kicks... Prove that North Melbourne is a relevant <laughs> club. No. Outstanding question, isn't it? I mean, it is it is a little bit interesting. Now, can we people can... have criticised Ben Brown. Have they hated him? Yeah, I would so say no. Let, let's, let's Rants be... people hated. Ben Brown, they didn't. You know the reason? Because no one cares about Ben Brown about ha- doesn't Melbourne. punch people in the back of the head. <laughs> No. Oh, well, that wasn't the reason why people hated Rands. It should have been the reason, but, but no, no one there's, that there's, up there's, there is a couple of reasons people hate Rands. Outside of the flopping that he gets accused of, a lot of people think he's been sort of accoladed more than he should be, and that rubs people the wrong way. I don't think I pronounced that word correctly. Yeah, I understand correctly, what you're but saying, yeah. which we're trying um, to say, yes. He did punch somebody in the back of the head, and he, like, to be fair, playing for a big club definitely affects, and a more successful club over the last few years definitely affects the way you're viewed by the public. He's also not a, like, yes, tremendously because, so, great player. So you pretty much just said then because he played for a more relevant club. That was why yeah, people so, got angry. They're so more you relevant. concede that Richmond the irrelevance li- of North Melbourne... Richmond have literally been the most relevant club in the competition over the last two years. And North have been the least. And therefore That's we're absolutely seeing not true. difference between the way that... Also, and also, he's a dirty diver. He's a dirty he diver. He absolutely has copped hate, as you're just pointing out criticism, right now. not hate. Very different. You just called him a dirty diver. Tell me how that's yeah, criticism, that was just, not hate. That was just because I'm trolling you, uh, Rory. Max Gorn <laughs> didn't get much hate for squibbing contests. Does that mean Melbourne's irrelevant? No, it's because Max Gorn's yeah. a legend. And then you didn't even get... Then you finally win a game and you don't even get put on access all areas. That smells of relevancy. Max, in all honesty, Ma- this question, just come on, look both ways. Clearly Melbourne are the most irrelevant club in the football world right now. Like, you may as well be playing rugby league for all the effect you have on the AFL. Can you stop talking at some no. point? I, I want to be able to get in. Max squibbed one contest. Apart from that, is a legend. Ben Brown is just a diver who does it all the time and did a few backflips when he uh, got... Ben Brown slightly. is the most spin the manager. most abused AFL footballer in the league from a, from the perspective of missed free kicks. Alistair Clarkson, the Hawthorne coach, not the North Melbourne coach. Alistair Clarkson took video of Ben Brown to his meeting with Gil <laughs> McLaughlin because he so many free kicks to Ben Brown get missed. He's gonna get less if he keeps bloody diving, mate. Oh, He's well, not helping his the, case. The sample size of one week doesn't show that. He's got, got a heap of free kicks. It was in, great. In the long term, they'll be like, oh, well, this is just Ben Brown doing this. No, he hasn't, hasn't heard Joel Selwood. Yeah, fair point. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you that. Anyway, let's move on to your battle situation. Ah, just the one question we got with. All right, battle situation with unexpected handicaps. I'm uh, fairly happy with this one. Snoop Dogg. But he has contracted a medium-sized family of intestinal worms from his trip to the zoo... Versus Colonel Sanders, but he sticky taped a non-venomous ant mound to the back of his knee. I think this question relies on the strength of the sticky tape. If that sticky tape is fragile, 
and can fall off or it can be ripped off and then used as a weapon because you know ant mounds like if you throw that at snoop dog that could end hairily no. for snoop dog there's a, it's just a more yeah. flexible option than intestinal worms okay. which you kind of know what they're going to do it's more of a wild card snoop dog as a up and up one-on-one fighter i'd take he knows he's a gangster i'm pretty sure he might have killed somebody he'll bring some weapons yeah sure. exactly ninja stars and stuff <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> He's not a ninja banjo. Gangsters always have ninja stars and samurai swords. Do they now? Yeah. Do they now? No, no. Like, Learn some history. I'm, I'm assuming that you can't take the ant mound off. You know, like, that, that, it completely ruins the whole thing. It, it would. Rip off with t- sticky tape and throw it. So I'm going to assume that's the case, in which I think this is the most one sided battle situations we've ever had. I think. Snoop Dogg would smash Colonel Sanders in a fight normally. Plus, I think the handicap is worse for the Colonel. I think he'd be yeah. jumping around on one leg. There, there are real mobility issues here. Yeah. The only thing that's going to hurt Snoop Dogg is if he gets the runs or something like he, that. He'd be uncomfortable, but you could push past that yeah, in a fight. Like, I think you'd ignore it in a fight. You'd forget about it. Yeah, well, you're not going to be you forgetting can push, about it. You can you push need. through shitty pants. Yeah, I, I think Snoop Dogg would. I think it'd be over. I, I do seconds. agree with you. I, do, I just think that. Colonel Sanders' performance is more of a wild card than Snoop Dogg's. I know what I'm getting from Snoop Dogg's, and I kind of want the consistency here. I want, I want the guy I can back in and know what his performance is going to be. Yeah, okay. Uh, uh, I, I want the Richmond rather than the Essendon. Yeah, no. Nah. <laughs> I, re- I reckon it's the most one-sided one we've ever had. But anyway, so let's finish it. this thing because yeah. we've had too many disasters <laughs> and I want to go to bed. Thanks for listening. Give us a like and review on iTunes or give us a like on Facebook, and we'll see you next week.